0: Welcome to season two of the Doomwich on Dirt podcast. Hear from some of the best drivers and personalities that the Carolinas has to offer. With me, your host, Evan McCrory. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 60 of the Do Much On Dirt Podcast. I'm your host, Evan McCrory, and today we will be talking with one of the 2024 long-term competitors with the Hunt the Front Super Dirt Series. We will be talking with Mr. Jeff Smith. He has been a fixture in the Carolinas for the last few decades. Obviously, he is the son of the late Freddie Smith, who we lost back in October. We're going to be talking with Jeff Rout about his career in general, a bunch of the big races he's won with Lucas, World of Outlaws, everything in the Southeast, and what his goals and dreams are for 2024 with Hunt the Front. Uh, some of the tracks he might have not been to that they're heading to in 2024. Uh, some still going to be around the house, like Cherokee and Lancaster, that you see him at pretty regularly. And uh, just talk about all that good good stuff and see what else we get into. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying uh, the podcast so far in 2024. We've had some really good guests. We've had Steve Post. We've had Daniel Adam. We also had Kelly Carlton and Newman Press now This will be the fifth episode of season two and yeah it's been a fun one so far go back and check out those uh episodes from earlier this year and back in 2023 episode 60 uh that's another little tiny accomplishment i guess but i appreciate you guys coming along for the ride and if you guys are new here i appreciate you guys tuning in uh i do try to put out these podcasts weekly Uh, Sometimes I sometimes I don't get them out every week and sometimes I get two out a week So if you're new here, I appreciate it. If you've been here for a while, I also appreciate you Before we get into it. I always want to thank Victory Fuel for having me as part of their ambassador program You can use the code dunewich10 at drinkvictory.com for 10% off. Get yourself uh, some merch Get yourself some drink. It's an amazing electrolyte and energy and injected I was trying to think I almost said induced injected water it just comes in a skinny can it's really good they got throttle punch and they got the newest flavor lucky lemon so go check it out for yourself today and don't forget to use the code dunewitch 10 for 10% off at drinkvictory.com and uh just no other blabbering uh, getting into this one no super long intro let's uh, just go ahead and talk to mr jeff <laughs> Today's guest on the Timmy Gunn Construction Hotline is one of the most prominent features in dirt track racing in the Carolinas, and he will be chasing a Hunt the Front Super Dirt Series championship in 2024. Jeff Smith, how you doing? All right. I
1: appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah. Yes, sir. No problem. you are uh, I saw you uh, got announced to uh, be running with Hunt the Front in 2024, and I was like, it'd be great to have him on the show, so I sent Jack a message, me and him, talk every once in a while, and... Uh, he sent me your number and then that's how this pretty much got started but uh yeah. with uh, Hunt the Front in 2024 what made that series like kind of enticing to you to try to chase that this season
1: well um, they've got a good points fund and their, their race schedule is pretty decent now, there's a few tracks that we got to do some traveling to you know they're further than what we normally do but yeah uh, their loyalty program, you sign up on that, it it was pretty good. And, um, you know, it was one of them wish list things, kind of. But when they posted the link for the loyalty program, my wife actually saw it on social media and she she tagged me in that link. I read it and I'm like, well, that's pretty good. Want to try it? You know, just joking. And she said, yeah. Well, I still thought it was just a joke with her. You know, I didn't think anything about it. And I got home from the shop that night and she said, Did you sign up? I said, Sign up for what? She said, to run the hunt in the front. I said, You were serious? <laughs> she said, She said, Yeah, I was. I said, Well, I said, Well, let's talk about it some. So me and her talked. And then I spoke with my son, Zach, about it and we decided we'd give it a shot. Um, you know, hopefully our funding a out, forced to stay the whole season with them, but. Uh, we'll stay with it as long as we can.
0: That's awesome that your wife uh, kind of started the thought in your head about doing that and you didn't really want to believe it at first. You're like, I, I was well, I mean, Yeah, about I thought it. she was just
1: messing with me. It, yeah. Like I said, it piqued my interest when they first released their point structure and their schedule with the, the races they were having. But, you know, I really didn't think it would be anything that we could seriously consider. You know, we normally stay within. Go you know, three or four hours of home and um uh, we just kind of i don't want to say got in a rut over the last 15 20 years of racing what we've raced with the same tracks week in and week out year after year but i guess we did kind of get into a rut and a few times we traveled to new tracks uh, over the last couple of years or you know out of our norm we had a good time with it and you got to have a good time, you got to have some fun mm. with it. It's too hard to work not to have a good time, and it costs too much not to have a good time. Yeah. And we just open it'll spice things up a little bit, put a little pep in our step, and uh, start the season off with a bang, maybe.
0: Yeah, that that's a good way to think about it because when you're running the same eight to ten tracks around here, that can get a little monotonous. You're kind of it does kind of just doing the same thing over and over, so it's cool you're going out and Trying out new tracks, or uh, maybe you've tried all of them. I'm not too sure. Is uh, any of the tracks you've been, uh, you haven't been to before on their schedule? Yeah,
1: there actually like is. A, I haven't been to. Why not? Uh, I haven't been there. Uh, I haven't been to the track in Kentucky, Lake Cumberland. And yeah, and I haven't been to I 75, um, Talladega, and Phoenix City yes i haven't been to those in probably over 20 years
0: oh that's really cool
1: so you know it'll be kind of like going back for the first time
0: yeah that, yeah because even though some of those tracks um might not change too too much it's still just so much over time they work on the they work on the surface they work on the facility so it changes a little bit and when you haven't been there in a long time it does feel like the first first time you've been there
1: right um and i know they've changed talladega since i was there yeah since i was there but phoenix city is probably still fairly similar to the way it used to be when i went but we're excited to you know stretch our legs a little bit and venture out a little bit out of our comfort zone and see what we can do
0: now, uh, you were – speaking about getting a little bit of a rut, you were able to pick up one victory last season. You were able to get the win with ultimate last year at Lakeview. Uh, how – because I remember the year before you knocked the front end off of it and on the front stretch wall. So how that – going back to Lakeview, getting a little bit of revenge and getting that win feel for you and your team?
1: Well, I mean, that was good. Um, you know, before that night when we did crash, we had won down at Lakeview. Um, you know, I used to race there back in the nineties when I drove for Jerry Kane's the CNC timber car. And you know, we had success back then too, you know, just kind of like we did at fable for a while and then we didn't race there for years and years. And then they started running some super shows again and went back and we've had some success there. Um, so it, it was, it's always good to get a win. Mm-hmm. And that was the only one we did get last year. And. Uh, you know had to had to work for a little bit to to get to the front and kind of found the outside line by accident I got hung on the outside on a restart and it was a good thing I did because it showed me there was something up there to get to the front on the high side mm-hmm. and you know, it was an exciting night for
0: us. Yeah, I, I was ashamed that I didn't get uh, make it to that one. I went to a bunch of ultimate races last year. I went to the one they had in May last year, but I didn't make it to that one. And I was when I found out that you won, I was kind of sad I didn't make it because I knew that was <laughs> <laughs> I know I knew it was yeah. a good one. Um, but Lakeview, they recently did like a resurfacing and changed up the banking a little bit, especially in turn one and two. They took out that fence that was kind of their wall. They wanted to, and it looks just like it's like a massive just mountain at this point. I, they had a uh, limited light model race about a week and a half ago, and some of those guys like Dustin Mitchell were really getting up on that and just testing how that new cushion and new uh, new curb up there would feel, and it seemed like some of those guys really liked it. Uh, is that right. one of those tracks you might try to get to uh, in this year outside the Hunt the Front races? I'm sorry. Is Hunt the, is uh, Lakeview one of those tracks you might try to get to outside of your uh, races with Hunt the Front?
1: Yeah, yeah, it will be. Uh, I think there's maybe a couple that will be on some open dates for us. I'm not saying we're going to race every weekend in between the Hunt the Front, but we'll pick and choose some races that you know suit our schedule. We we have to be kind of careful with the amount of races we're running there with our engine program and just trying to keep things fresh for, you know, what our ultimate goal is this year Mm -hmm. running with that series. But uh, I'm I'm thinking we're going to be able to maybe hit down there a couple of times or so anyhow.
0: It's kind of a good thing to have to be a little strict with what you pick and choose outside of it, and especially when, uh, let's say, that there's a race three, four hours away. When you know the next weekend you have to go seven, eight hours away, it kind of makes you change your thinking a little bit to uh, just sitting at the house or actually wanting to go to a race when you don't really have any big year-end purpose of doing it. Right, the
1: incentive part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, have you've got to look at you know what each race is paying. You know, do I? Yep take a chance on, you know, a 5,000 win show closer to home this week that we might get something tore up and miss a two-day weekend next weekend that pays a 5 and a 15. Yeah. You know, plus the point stuff. I mean, you know, we're just going to start out, see how things go, if everything rolls smooth and, you know, we can be decently competitive and we'll stick with it as long as we can.
0: That's a good idea. Uh, going back, uh, just a few years, uh, we talked to James Dedman back at the end of last year and he was telling a story about how he was around when you were first getting into racing with go karts, and, uh, got really into racing, started getting into bigger cars. Uh, how the, obviously everybody knows uh, your dad, Freddie, everybody loved your dad, Freddie and all that stuff. But how was it being his son getting into racing even back in the go kart days?
1: Oh, it, that was all I ever wanted to do from as long as I can remember. You know, it, I didn't want to be what the other kids wanted to be at school when I grew up. All I ever wanted to be was a race car driver. And, um, you know, mom and dad made sure I, I got a good education. They were very strict on me growing up on school and grades and making sure I was doing what I needed to do. And, um, that was that was important to them and then um mom wouldn't even let me start racing until i graduated high school yeah. i raced go-karts i raced i started when i was 10 racing go-karts raced go-karts for three or four years and then i got to the point where i started going with dad because he started traveling on the ndra circuit then
2: yeah.
1: and uh, just became a crew guy you know doing learning everything about the car and how to work on them and um uh, you know, my grandfather and uh some of that time that my uncle was going i was you know one of his main helpers at the racetrack doing what needed to be done until i started racing
0: now, that's really cool that you're they were they wanted you to be able to race but they wanted to make sure that you were staying in line and doing what you needed to in school because um there's some people that they're like well you're not doing this until you're fully done with school but they still gave you the opportunity to do it if everything was still in line with grades oh, yeah. and just make but, sure you're accurate. And when i say they were
1: strict in school i mean they were i mean it was um i remember all through school i made one c mm. and i got grounded until the next report card came out <laughs> for that one c <laughs> <laughs> they were strict on me on the school. They made sure I got an education.
0: You made sure you didn't get another C again though. <laughs> oh, that was the only one I got all through yeah. school. Yeah. That's but, funny. Uh, so, uh, so after high school is when you really started getting to bigger cars, like late models, did you do anything yeah. besides late models after go-karts? Um, no, I've, when I stopped racing
1: go-karts, I was just dad's crew guy
2: mm,
1: okay. until I got in a car, you know, after I graduated. Okay. I graduated in June of '84 and uh, ran my first race uh, probably two weeks left after
0: that or so, maybe. Where was that first race at? Cherokee. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, is um is any of the tracks that are not around anymore in the Carolinas that was your favorite? Like one that you raced back in the day that's not around anymore that uh, you really enjoyed racing at?
1: Well, I mean, when I started, we raced at Cherokee, we raced uh, Summit Carolina, um, we raced at Metrolina, and we raced at Tri-County Speedway up um, up near Newton. It's an asphalt track now. They yeah. paved it. But uh, that was a little bit at Concord before they paved it. And then when they paved it, I actually ran asphalt for a few years, and then I came back to dirt. And I've been on dirt ever since.
0: But, what, car, um, what cars did you run on asphalt? Uh, like a late model stock type car? Uh, it was late models on asphalt.
1: Like okay. uh, back then, um, I guess the, the last full season I ran on asphalt. I drove for some guys out of Matthews and we ran the the All-Pro Series. That was, the, I guess, the last year before NASCAR bought them out. Hmm. Uh, we raced with Rich Bickle and Bobby Gill and Jack Sprague and Jody Ridley and just uh,
0: that's a bunch of the guys that were
1: good <laughs> back in the day then.
0: Yeah, that's a good group. I I hear a bunch of those guys go on sh- different shows and stuff like that now and talk about how awesome those um, all-pro days were back then, especially at Concord and tracks like that after after I right. got paid. I, I wish I was kind of about 15, 20 years older, so I could have been around to experience some of that stuff some some of those days.
1: Yeah, it was it was different. Um, it was probably more fun back then than it is now. It's gotten um, very hectic to keep up with the, the changing times and the changing of the guard and the amount of money that's involved in the engineering. Um, uh, there's, there's a lot has changed. It, it changes constantly, mm-hmm. but it, the change has been way more rapid the last few years than it used to be.
0: Do you think that change overall is a good thing for dirt racing or do you wish they would go back to the roots a little bit more?
1: Some of it has been, I think some of it's detrimental mm. and you can talk to 25 different people and they're all going to have their own opinions <laughs> and most of them are going to be different. And when it gets down to the end of the day, I really don't think anybody has a foolproof answer on how to correct the direction that we're going with it right now. Hmm. I just, I I had conversations with people down at East Bay last weekend about it. You know, we were got into talking about some of this stuff, and you know, nobody really knows what to do right now. They, some people have some ideas, but. It's, it's gotten so far out of hand. I don't know what it's going to take to to bring it back to make it more affordable. My my whole thing is, I mean, this has been my life passion. You know, I'm uh-huh. third generation, and I don't I know I'm getting down to my latter years of driving a race car. But just want to I, I don't want the sport to go away because I'm not participating in it. Uh I want racing to thrive. I want it to continue to grow, but there we are I think we're approaching a bubble that's got to bust. And, you know, I don't know anybody that could step out on a limb and do a complete reset to try to get things back in line to make it more affordable, because it's getting so bad that unless your family is got tons of money or you happen to be connected with a big company to get big sponsorship dollars it's not like it used to be where you know the local guy that had his own gas station could have a race car and go race and be Mm -hmm. competitive yeah you know you don't see a lot of car owners anymore most of the people have to own their own equipment Mm -hmm. um you know and that that makes the numbers of dwindle down as far as your car counts you know, and some drivers don't have an opportunity to get in the car because they don't have enough money of their own there. I'm sure there's tons of talent out there that never get an opportunity to get behind the wheel.
0: I agree. And, and that's um, from, that's from the top down that goes all the way to even starter divisions to this day. I mean, he my day. son,
1: Zach's a prime example.
0: Uh-huh.
1: He'd he, love to be in a car, but we just don't have the means to put another race car together for him to climb into race yeah you know when i started you know my car was built out of stuff that you know we got help from cj rayburn on a chassis and you know other than that it was built from parts that dad had taken off his car he wasn't running anymore you know my grandfather built my motors which he was a good engine builder but my engines were built out of stuff that was laying around that they didn't run anymore you know we don't have that supply chain like that anymore you don't have many people that build their own engines you know, because there's so much going on now with, you know, your big engine builders, you know, Clements, Cornette, Jay Dickens, Vic Hill, Andy Durham. You know, those guys, they
2: they have finessed the engines and they have done the
1: R&D and they've brought the engines so far. And, you know, your, your backyard auto mechanic, he can't build a competitive motor like those guys can.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right about that. I even see that on the on the front wheel drive like side of it too where you have uh, 100 people show up for a big high-paying race and it's the same 10, 15 guys that have the most money into their cars, have the best sponsorships, and uh, right. are able to do the most they can to them.
1: Right. I mean, everybody front. wants to be competitive. It just – I don't know. I, like I said, I, everybody's got a different answer. I mean – you know the the best thing would be if you could limit the amount of money that was spent
0: yeah i, I was but literally you can't do like that. that
1: there's yeah. always going to be somebody that's going to spend a little more money to have a little bit of an edge you know it's the competitiveness and people yep. that race but that's also the side that's detrimental to what we
0: do yeah you're 100 percent right about that you try to set some boundaries and then one guy's going to take an inch, another guy's going to take an inch, and then you're going to have a whole mile eventually. And that's uh, that's how this problem started in the first place. Or right. their entire history of all of racing, it's been everybody trying to find the next thing. The next thing that's going to help them get a 10th right. faster. And, and then everybody else has to develop that. And then somebody else finds something else. And then we get to the race and where we are now, where it's starting to get Pretty aero-dependent, Pretty, um, especially it depends on the track. But uh, the arrows got into it. Different things oh, that are underneath the car, the motors.
1: <laughs> the arrows, <laughs> terrible. We're so dependent on that. But you know, back back in the day, it was ingenuity. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just who could come up with a cool idea, try something, and it worked. You know, I saw my dad do it. My grandfather. And, you know, they they would build stuff in the shop. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine. You know, you got a grinder, a welder, a cutting torch, and you come up with an idea and you build it. Well, now it's, and it's, it's life in general has progressed. Now if somebody's got an idea. They say, Well, I got this idea, and they present it to an engineer or something. And, mm-hmm. you know, then they've got to do a programming CAD and then get this part CNC machined. And, you know, they're not building it themselves they're spending money to get done what they want instead of doing it themselves, and that's yeah that's the part that drives the expense up but i mean the expense is all the way down the line it's it's not just something like that i mean you know the shocks are out of hand the tire situation is horrible yeah. right now as far as the price on tires and you know just trying to get something that's you know they tried to go to this or tire rule with hoosier last year to save us money and it hasn't saved us any money right. or it hasn't in my sense yeah of what we've done and you know the engines cost four times what they used to i mean i remember my grandfather when i started racing you could build a brand new engine top to bottom for 10 or twelve thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. and now you're not going to get a decent motor for less than 50. yeah and You know, we're not racing for any more money, hardly. I mean, there, there there's some shows now, you know, like with Lucas and World of Outlaws and Hunt the Front's got some, but as far as
0: like the, the regional stuff. Mm -hmm. 5,000.
1: We're racing for the same money we did, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And I know the promoters, they don't have. A bottomless well that they can just keep drawing money from i get that but you know we've we've got to stop the bleeding somewhere on cost versus income you know it just we can't just everybody can't just keep dumping money into it and not even be able to remotely get close to breaking even
0: yeah, and there there's a big discrepancy there in the bar graph where the prize money just has not gone up with like just normal inflation of the sport. Like you said, the price of everything has quadrupled, let alone over 30 years, but it's gone crazy in the last four or five years, isn't it? Since even COVID, everything's gone up a good bit from... Uh, Whether it's your Hoosiers, you have to get at the track for the race or get it before you go there. Like you said, the motors, shocks, even even probably – the your sheet metal for your cars everything's just gone too crazy and and you're not getting as much out of it as you used to from winning let's say you win a five thousand dollar show and you're still having to worry about like yep i paid this much to get here on gas i paid this much to get in the gate and for entry fees and that type of stuff and it just doesn't equal out as much as it used to and like you said just the the uh the um promoters, they, they're they still trying to run a business and they don't have too much left over and still losing money a good bit of the time on their end. So it's just hard for anybody to try to find a big solution to. It have is. A, and I mean, I fix. do not envy
1: the promoter situation at all because I know they're trying to do what they can do and they want to be successful because it is a business venture for them also. But I just, the way so many people are in society now,
2: mm-hmm. the
1: way they talk to them and treat them and talk about them on social media if something doesn't go their way. I mean, it. it's terrible. I, I wouldn't be a promoter. I wouldn't want to be. I wouldn't take that verbal abuse and attacks all the time just because something didn't go right for one person. You know, they'll chime in on social media and then, you know, a hundred people chime in with their complaint about this or that or the other. There's people you could give them a hundred dollars when they walked in the gate and they'd be mad or have something to say because you didn't give them 200.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what's, a, what's that old quote? You could tell them you walked on water and they'd be telling you you don't know how to swim. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, there's but, just a... There's a bunch of there's a bunch of negatives, but there there are some people trying to do some good things here and there with trying to promote some of these new series, give them other more people other options like Hunt the Front. Right. I feel like they're doing good part in that and like they're going to their second season. Like you said earlier, they have a big good points one that's really good for original series and they're doing a wide variety of tracks all the way from Mississippi to Kentucky to South Carolina, and I, I really applaud uh, the joiners and everything they're doing to give a new option for the regional guys that want to go a little bit step up but don't have the funds and everything they need to be able to go national.
1: Right, exactly. And that, I think they're filling a big void there. Yes. Um, I mean, they've. I saw there was a couple more people signed on yep.
0: Yep.
2: today, ahead, so I
1: think they're
0: probably – I don't know maybe
1: 16 17
0: 18 people that signed on now Oh, well, i wouldn't be surprised if they had probably five six more there's a there's a couple other names i've been you're thinking. probably right yeah you're probably right yeah because i'd be surprised if zach mitchell didn't try to run it if ross bells was able to find good right if he's staying where he is now or anything ross Bell's wouldn't surprise me other people down south other parts of the south are going to come out of nowhere and do it it, it, there's even a big name that might possibly do it. I don't know too much about that right now, but yeah, it's, I, it's really interesting. It's, it's a good middle ground for racing that we needed because yeah. how many, how many times do we see it every year where a local or like regional guy will take the huge step up to Lucas or outlaws and then they run out of funding. They have a hard time on the road and then they're back, back to their regional stuff by May or June because they just right. run out of funding. Mm-hmm. and yeah uh, good, good conversation about the bad stuff racing for a little bit but yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just a part just of it hope, it's a i hope somebody can step up and have some good answers to yeah I, let our sport you know thrive and be salvaged before it's too late I agree so too. And th- there are good people all over it. Like I said earlier, that are putting different series together, trying new things to do their best to do their part, uh, new track promoters, bringing back old tracks, series. Racers are putting their own two cents into it just try to help and maybe switch from the racer side to a promoter side. You see that happening all the time but um yeah uh, before we get out of here for the night uh, and thanks for coming on the show uh, i was at the grassy smith back in july of this year when your dad made your made his final laps in one of his old cars and did right. the whole group photo i was there on the front stretch taking photos and videos with a bunch of you guys and uh, that was that was a really special night that was really cool and it just means so much more now with uh with him passing away and he was such a a pillar in dirt racing in general in the entire country i know you guys felt so much love and are still feeling it now from i bet people we are... did, and
1: that was um you know it was sanctioned differently this year than what mm-hmm. it had been for quite a while and that was the most meaning that our family got from my grandfather's memorial race in a long time
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that it was special for our family it meant a lot to my dad yeah. And it meant a lot to, you know, me and my wife, my mom, my son. I mean, it, it meant a lot to the Smith family to see that the effort that was put forth to to recognize my grandfather again like it was in the beginning.
0: Yeah. And then now they've uh, stepped up a little bit more. Mideast is now going to be doing the Smith family memorial on July 3rd, I believe that is. And uh, I well, believe that's just going to be a... We've had some special.
2: talks
1: about some of that stuff. I don't know what the exact plans are going to wind up being yet. I've talked with uh, Tony at Cherokee and uh, Jason Walls at Mideast. And okay. There's some ideas being kicked around about, you know, what's going to go on this year and, you know, possibly next year. But uh, we're excited to see what the future holds as far as,
0: you know, Memorial Race. Okay. That's got me excited. I just already saw it listed as that on the on social media. So I thought some of the stuff was all kind of lined up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that – it's yeah, still, it, still a ways uh, away.
1: There was, that, was, I was, that was where I found
0: out about it first,
1: too. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's been conversations yeah. since
0: then. I feel like you. you guys still have about five months until then. They'll they'll figure out something for it. You guys will yeah. be a part of that. But, uh, yeah, you um, want to thank your sponsors and everybody that helps you get up and down the road before you get out of oh, here? Oh,
1: gosh. It, yeah, it uh, – it wouldn't be possible without the, the physical help and uh, the sponsorship help that we get, you know, our product sponsors and, you know, the ones that help us with the funding of the team. And, uh, you know, some of them help us get parts or tires or fuel, um, you know, as far as hands-on help. You know, my son, Zach, and uh, Jack and his son Ty, and uh, one of my buddies I grew up with in high school, Shane Atcher and, um, that one guy's been helping me for probably 30 years, Eddie Waddell. Mm. And, um, you know, there's a couple others that go, and then sponsors. Oh my gosh, I, I I get nervous when I have to start naming sponsors because I always leave somebody out. I, I guess I don't talk about that stuff enough to <laughs> yeah. have it all ironed out, but, um, You know, I've I've got a good group of sponsors that that help me and do what they can. And it means a lot. We couldn't get up and down the road
0: without them. They know who they are.
1: (laughs) uh, We just
0: appreciate everything they do. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show tonight, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Uh, good luck in everything in 2024. I reckon probably one of the first races I'll probably see you at will be at March Madness. I'll, uh, I'll come up to you and catch up. because uh, Probably uh, haven't seen too, too much of me. I, I, I'll probably, I've been around here and there. I've, I've, I've started doing this whole stuff uh, a little over a year ago, but, I've uh, been a fan for Uh, a little while and you just always been a stable around a lot of people come to the track just to see you not not just because your family just because you as well because you're a big part of the sport and 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 our Hope you guys enjoyed the interview with jeff smith it was awesome talking about the all the financial stuff about racing and how it's grown grown and gotten crazy over the last 23 years he's been a part of it i uh, just appreciate him uh talking about his 2024 plans will hunt the front and he's just a really awesome person and family we just need to have around in the dirt racing community forever um yeah uh, just really great to talk to him even about the um, memorial races for his family and they're getting all them plans ironed out and everything and stories of growing up it, it, it's just really cool stories to hear and i'm glad you guys were able to listen to it today uh, don't forget to check out all my awesome sponsors victory fuel and timmy gun construction all, uh, always as well as uh front wheel drive friday haven't been uh, mentioning kyle as much uh, i was going to get him on the show before uh, winter freeze, but I had a crazy busy week. Everything happened, and he was finishing up his car. Uh, too bad he blew his motor at winter freeze, but he plans to be back on track soon. He's working on that with probably the McGrews and all those guys, but I appreciate you guys tuning in to today's episode. You can check out all my social medias at which on Dirt, D-U-N-E-W-I-C-H on Dirt. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. TikToks has been doing very well, by the way, so if you've somehow found this podcast through TikTok, I appreciate you. Uh, If you haven't checked out TikTok yet, go ahead and do it. Um, Just uh, all the growth on the page has been doing awesome. We're a little bit less than two months away from my announcing debut at Traveler's Rest Speedway on April 5th with the Carolina Sprint Tour. Love to have you guys check us out then. And, uh, yeah, I hope you guys have a great week. Go check out Jeff on social media, Jeff Smith Racing. I believe it's his... Uh, Facebook. Uh, He has his normal page. Uh, He's on Twitter a little bit here and there, but I hope you guys have a great week, and I will see y'all next time.